Welcome to From Realms of Glory, a Christmas audio series tracing promises about the coming of the Messiah until his arrival in Bethlehem of Judea. I'm Dr. J.J. Routley, Professor of Bible and Theology at Emmaus Bible College in Dubuque, Iowa. It's December 14th, and the passage before us today is one of the greatest presentations of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the entire Old Testament. We've looked at a number of predictions of the glorious kingdom of the coming of the Messiah, the Christ of Bethlehem, in recent days on this podcast. But if you're not familiar with the story of Jesus, you might be wondering, what happened? If Jesus was to be this incredible king, surely he failed because he was rejected by Israel and ultimately crucified on a Roman cross, perhaps the most barbaric form of execution in the ancient world. If Jesus was supposed to be a great king, why is he not reigning on earth today? In answering this question, we need to understand that the prophets of Israel foretold not only the glories of the Messiah and the brilliance of his kingdom, but also the suffering that would precede that glory. Whereas Isaiah 9 and 11 speak of the abundance and greatness and justice and peace of Christ's kingdom, Isaiah 53 reveals to us that the kingdom would only come through the greatest of suffering. The child of Eve who would crush the head of the serpent would not be triumphant before himself being bruised on his heel by the serpent. 700 years before his birth as an infant in Bethlehem's manger, Jesus was predestined by God to die for the sins of his people. Today, we'll look at Isaiah 53 and verses 1 through 6. Verse 1 says, Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah begins by asking, Who has believed his incredible message that was given to him by God, the revelation of the suffering servant of the Lord? But notice that through his suffering, the arm of the Lord is revealed. God's power is displayed through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his subsequent resurrection like never before. Verse 2 says, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. The early life of the Messiah was not going to be anything spectacular by human standards. He was just like a root out of dry ground, a weed, a blade of grass, nothing special by the world's standards. The early life of Jesus was not the life of a great noble or royal, but instead, he was a common man, the son of a carpenter. He was a regular human being, just like you or me. There was nothing attractive about his appearance that would draw people to him. In fact, the next verse tells us that the very opposite was true. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. What a disappointing ministry. The rightful king of Israel would be rejected? Despised by his people? The baby in the manger was going to suffer. His life would be characterized by grief, suffering, pain, and affliction. Jesus knew what it meant to hurt, to be sad, to want so much to help the human race, and yet his people stubbornly would not let him. 
His people were embarrassed and ashamed of him, hiding their faces from him. We did not esteem him as we should have. He came to save the human race, but the human race rejected and crucified Jesus. Verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus took on our lot. He entered into this sin-shattered world. The perfect, holy, and righteous one endured the stench and filth of a created world pervaded with sin in order to rescue us. Yet we considered him to be afflicted by God, cursed, the recipient of divine retribution. Our creator became one of us and bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He knows our condition how it feels to live as a human being on this sin-scorched earth. Yet he himself remained pure and undefiled. Verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You cannot help but be astonished at the contrasts in this verse. He was pierced, but it was for our transgressions. He was crushed, but for our iniquities. His chastisement, his discipline, his suffering brought us peace. His wounds brought us healing. Jesus, in his suffering, brought us redemption. He acted as a sacrifice in our place. He was our substitute before God. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As sheep have the stubborn desire to go off in their own direction and must be led by a shepherd, so the human race has felt the effects of sin in our lives that cause us to depart from God and go off on our own path. Our selfishness leads us into sin. And our sin makes us guilty before God. But the Lord took all of our guilt and all of our sin and our iniquity and laid it on his son at the cross of Calvary. The messianic servant of the Lord suffered for sins that were not his own to save those sheep who had wandered away. I was one of those lost sheep, and so were you. Perhaps you still are. I remember when the good shepherd found me, I was still very young, when I heard from my grandfather at a kids' club the good news of how Jesus loved me so much that he died on the cross to save me from my sins and the punishment those sins demanded. Later on that very same evening, I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive my sins and save me and come into my heart and my life. Friends, Jesus suffered on the cross to take away our sin and guilt. Because the eternal Son of God, the Lord of heaven, became a human and died on the cross, you and I can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. How is Christ's sacrifice applied to our lives? What mechanism puts his sacrifice into effect in us? Hear the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
Faith is the catalyst for the sacrifice of the Messiah to be applied to our hearts. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe what the Word of God says about him to be true in your heart of hearts, and you shall be saved. May today, December 14th, be the day that you ask Jesus to be your Savior and deliver you from your sin. Thank you for joining us for this episode of From Realms of Glory, a Christmas podcast. For more information about Emmaus Bible College, please visit Emmaus.edu. Tomorrow, we continue our examination of Isaiah chapter 53 and the suffering of the Messiah.